Alrighty guys, hello, welcome to episode number one of Not Just The Tip, which is going to be my new weekly sporting podcast, which is by a sports fan, for sports fans, with a bit of a uh, punting sort of element to it as well. So just to start off with, just to explain a little bit behind it and a bit the, the sort of theory behind this, uh, this will be in addition to our regular weekly audio podcast uh, podcasts. Uh, this one is going to be completely sports-based. So if you are a sports fan, stick around. If you're not a sports fan, you're more than welcome to stick around. would be uh, happy to have you, uh, but I wouldn't hold it against you if you didn't. So why am I doing this? Well, I am a massive sports fan. I love sports, uh, and I think that sports are one of the things which uh, we probably need now more than ever. Uh, for me, the reasons why I love sport is, number one, I enjoy playing it. Um, it's, it's really, really fun. But number two, it is something that really does bring people together. And I think at the moment, obviously, our world can be pretty polarized uh, with many different things. But the thing I do love about sports is that people do come together, and whether it's to support their team, uh, support their country, support certain athletes, uh, even if it's just to support the game, uh, I, that's one of the things that I really do love about sports. Uh, the other part I love about it too is just it, it gives you an example of what is possible for all of us if we really just work hard and put our 100% attention on a goal. So obviously I love watching the best athletes in the world do what they do because it's, it's just so amazing to see uh, the skill levels and the, the mental fortitude and the handling of their emotions and all that sort of stuff. It, you know, it really, really does uh, drive me to lo just love sports. I just love the spectacle of them. Uh, I love the skill levels. I love the training. I love the nutrition. I love everything about it. And there is also nothing better than sharing sports with other people as well. So uh, hopefully I can share a bit more of the sports that I really enjoy with you guys. And uh, hopefully you can enjoy it with me too. So just before we get uh, started, this will be in addition to the normal weekly podcast with Alex of the audio podcast, just going to be some additional content for you. The idea is that these will come out sort of on maybe a Wednesday or a Thursday, depending on what's on, probably more likely Thursdays, but obviously we've got the big State of Origin 3 coming up on Wednesday, so I want to get this one out a little bit earlier. And they are going to be pretty short, sort of maybe 15, 20-minute segments, uh, and they'll run by, basically by a bit of a format. So... What I was sort of thinking, and again, give me your feedback of what it is that you guys are after. Uh, what I want to do is I want to go through a bit of a breakdown of uh, the last weekend sporting events and anything notable that came out of those. Uh, I also want to uh, go through all the tips that we uh, may have put up for the last weekend as well. There is going to be some accountability as well. I'm not just going to be that tipping show that puts all the tips up in the world and then doesn't actually get held to account for it. So I'm going to be keeping a scorecard. Uh, so you guys will know in a few weeks' time whether or not I'm actually worth listening to at all or if I'm just like everyone else who doesn't know shit. So that's going to be fun. Uh, I'm going to have an accuracy meter as well for every single weekend's tips. And um, then from there, we want to sort of preview what the uh, notable sporting events are that are coming up uh, during the week, uh, or at least the events that I'm looking forward to. And then uh, to finish up the show, I will pull my tips out for the week. And uh, obviously, I, I'm a big believer in consent, so I will pull my tip out. I'll dangle my tip in front of you, and it is completely up to you whether or not you choose to play with my tip. Obviously, none of this is financial advice. Uh, if you lose money off it, sorry, bro, or sis, 
Um, but hopefully we can all uh, have a little bit of fun and have some winnings together. So, to start off with, let's start with last weekend. So, there was a pretty massive weekend of sports last weekend, and obviously the biggest thing as far as Australian sports goes was our performance at Wimbledon. Uh, Absolutely unreal to see, uh, obviously, Ash Barty was the big story, first Australian female into the final in 40 years, and to bring home the title uh, was just, it was amazing to watch. So, I actually got up and watched that one uh, at 11 o'clock and was still screaming for at 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, it had everything that you want in a in a game of tennis. It was obviously massive stakes because the finals. You had a full crowd over there in England as well because they're starting to open up a fair bit. You had, you know, uh, Prince William and, and Princess Kate watching along. So uh, oh, Tom Cruise too in the crowd. So some pretty high uh, high profile people coming out to watch. And the game literally had everything. Uh, in the first set, Ash Barty was super dominant, just all over it. Uh, in the second set, started off really, really well, but then you could see the nerves started to creep in, uh, and it culminated in a uh, a jeez, forget what the word is now, but uh, tiebreaker. Sorry, uh, so tiebreaker at the end, which uh, Pliskova won in dominant fashion, and then so going into to the third set with it all locked up, uh, Pliskova definitely had the momentum going into that set, but even when Ash Barty broke her in the first. Uh, her first service game, uh, I don't think anyone was still confident that uh, that Barty was going to go on and win it. So, uh, look, amazing effort. So good to see. Uh, also, obviously, Dylan Alcott uh, winning the wheelchair uh, sing- men's singles for the second year as well. I th- I'm pretty sure that he's actually on track to do a Golden Slam, which is when you win all four Grand Slams during one calendar year as well as an Olympic gold medal. So, you know, that would be an amazing achievement in itself as well. I'm not sure how many times that's been done in the past, but, mate, Dylan Olcott, Ash Barty, absolute superstars on the world stage. And I think that, you know, as, as much as it's rich to say that sports people are, are sacrificing at the moment, because obviously everyone, I think, is sacrificing uh, with the global pandemic that's going on, I think something that is very notable about Australians participating in international sports at the moment is just the sheer amount of sacrifice they have to make compared to some of the other athletes. And I'm speaking mainly in regards to obviously quarantining and stuff like that at home when they do want to come home. A lot of athletes overseas, they they don't have any quarantining anywhere. So you could literally fly overseas, go to an event, fly back to America, and then just go about your daily business. There's, There's no real issues there. Whereas for the Australians, and that goes for any sport, obviously, they've. if you're flying over to uh, London, for example, for, for Wimbledon, if you do want to come home, you do have to do that two weeks hotel quarantine when you get home. And it doesn't seem like much, especially with the amount of money that's on offer, but hey, not everyone takes out the championship. So it's really, it is great to see these Aussie athletes backing themselves even during this time and going through the heartache to actually go overseas and have some amazing results. So look, that's pretty awesome. Um, Second big event out of the weekend for me, uh, so I'm, I'm a big UFC fan, so a lot of these weekly podcasts will be mainly centered around the sports of the UFC, the NRL, uh, the NBA as well, still while the playoffs are on too. Um, UFC 264, massive card on the weekend. Obviously, the big story coming out of that that everyone's talking about is Conor McGregor uh, breaking his ankle and losing by TKO or doctor stoppage uh, at the end of the first round. Now, everyone's talking about this. Everyone's doing it to death. Dustin Poirier deserved to win that fight. Uh, at the end of the day, 
you know, as as Nate Diaz says all the time, uh, that's a wrap in the streets. So if you're actually looking at fighting as fight fighting, you know, if you break your ankle in the streets, that's a wrap. So whether it's an injury or not, it's it's still a big win for Dustin Poirier. But what I wanted to talk about instead of what everyone else is talking about is the the prevalence of the calf kick in mixed martial arts. Uh, so to give a bit of background, uh, the calf kick which is obviously a kick to the calf muscle, which is a, a, a crazily debilitating uh, weapon to have used against you because it only takes a couple of kicks before sometimes your leg's just completely unusable. Uh, the other thing too is there is a nerve that runs down your shin bone where if you hit that, it can literally just switch your foot off. And that's happened in a lot of notable fights uh, recently. I think most recently was it happened in the Henry Cejudo, uh, Demetrius Johnson title fight. Uh, it also happened to Michael Chandler when he was fighting in Bellator as well. So you can literally just get a hit to that nerve and it switches your foot off. So it's just flopping there and just doesn't even work. So it looks like you've broken your ankle or something like that. You actually haven't. It's just the nerve and then it takes a little while for that to come back. And calf kicks have only recently really come into being used quite prolifically in, in MMA. And obviously the main reason for that is because it's a very high risk, high reward technique. You know, if you're trying to kick someone in the calf muscle and they turn their shin out and they check your kick, obviously you're slamming shin bone on shin bone and that hurts both both parties. And what's particularly interesting is that that technique itself has been really, really effective in the last two years. I mean, I I think I the first time I remember someone really using it was Benson Henderson and that was years ago. And then Tony Ferguson used it pretty successfully for a long time as well. And everyone just thought he was he was crazy because he was literally just banging shins with other people and knowing that it was going to hurt them more than it was going to hurt him, which is uh, pretty crazy. But in in recent, really the last two years, it's exploded as far as its usage goes. But at the same time, having Connor break his ankle, following on from having Chris Weidman break his leg... Uh, which was, that was only a couple of months ago as well. So he tried to throw a calf kick uh, against Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall checked the kick, and Chris Weidman actually snapped his leg in half, which, if anyone's a big fight fan, they know the the irony of that situation because that's the exact same thing that happened to Anderson Silva against Chris Weidman years ago, where he threw a leg kick without setting it up with a jab or anything like that. First, Chris Weidman checked it, and it snapped Silva's leg in half. So what I find really interesting out of this... now. It doesn't look like Connor uh, snapped his leg from a calf kick. It looks like when... I saw a really interesting post on uh, Aussie Muay Thai legend John Wayne Parr's uh, Instagram page where he was breaking it down. And it looks like he throws a teat kick to the body, which Dustin Poirier blocks. And the it looks like the ankle actually wraps around his elbow. So it's not a calf kick that's doing that damage. However, uh, from listening to interviews with Conor McGregor's coach, uh, uh, John Kavanagh, after the fight, they did indicate that there was issues with the ankle during training camp. And being that Conor just got beaten back in January because of the calf kick, I'm sure they were practicing calf kicks and checking calf kicks. And it just makes me wonder how much... Uh, stress or maybe there's a stress fracture in there or something like that 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 may have done uh, to Connor's ankle to weaken it which then has caused the breakage during the fight so look I guess the main thing for me out of this is I want to know if fighters are still going to keep using that technique because we've had two very high profile leg breakages in the UFC within a matter of months 
I don't think it's a coincidence that it's with the uh, greater usage of that calf kick. So, look, stay tuned. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with that moving forward and also how removing that weapon potentially changes the game again because someone like O'Connor, who, when he comes out in that wide karate stance, normally that front leg is just wide open for the kicking. So if you then have people who aren't wanting to calf kick anymore, well, then you can bring those stances back into play and it completely changes the game again. So... Again, it is one of the things I love about MMA. It, there are so many different things to think about, so many things that you can change, so many adjustments that you can make. Uh, it, it's really like a human chess match, which is which is awesome to watch. Um, another big result out of the UFC was Tai Tuivasa's knockout of Greg Hardy. So I think Tai Tuivasa, he, he literally... So he's an Australian boy, literally capitalised on it the best that anyone could possibly capitalise on, on a situation... It was his first fight back in front of a massive crowd. He's now on a three-fight win streak again after going on a three-fight skid. Uh, Greg Hardy was someone who is a polarizing figure that a lot of people just wanted to see get knocked out. So for Tai Tuivasa to knock him out in the first round, uh, obviously it's massive for his brand. And then jumping up on the cage, doing the shoey, doing multiple shoeys on his way out. Uh, I think he has, especially first UFC event back in Vegas in front of a sold out crowd I think that he has really capitalized I mean he also got the performance on the night bonus as well so he gets an extra 75 grand in his skyrocket so uh, I think he'll be very happy after that one I think he'll have made a lot of new fans Um, Greg Hardy to his credit he was actually pretty humble on his uh, social media afterwards and gave full props to uh, Tai Tuivasa for the knockout he does he did just make a mistake so he had actually rocked Tai in the fight but did a pretty rookie area, ran in, tried to finish it, got too excited, got caught on the way in. So, look, he'll learn from that. He'll come back better. And as I said on the uh, RDO podcast last week, I do like to think that even though he does have a checkered past, it, it, it doesn't define him. I think everyone can maybe move on after seeing him get knocked out now because people have wanted it for a long time. And, look, hopefully he goes on to put on many more entertaining fights and has a, has a good, solid career too. Uh, the other interesting thing, sports-wise, out of the out of the weekend. So the NRL was, you know, it, it's it's sort of a, it's the buy round. You've got a lot of players out because of Origin duty. Uh, it's it was pretty up in the air. But the the big eye-opening thing for me out of this weekend was uh, Braden Hamlin ULA's try celebration uh, in the Sharks versus Warriors match on Sunday. It was the best try celebration that I have seen since Piggy Riddell uh, jumped into the crowd and applauded his own try. Uh, it was so funny at live speed. So basically what he did, uh, scored the try, gets up. One of his teammates came over and it looked like he actually clocked his teammate in the face and dropped him. And then he dropped an elbow on him like he was doing professional wrestling. It was like a people's elbow, uh, the rock style people's elbow. Uh, when I was watching it live, I, I looked up and thought, he'd hit one of the Warriors players first. Like, it, it, it looked that good. Um, I, I definitely encourage you to jump on YouTube, go and check it out. Uh, it was absolutely hilarious. So, well done, Braden Hamlin, Uela. You made some fans on the weekend too, mate. Um, now, if any of you watched the audio podcast last week, you would have noticed that I did actually throw some tips out there. I did throw them out sort of like buckshot from a shotgun. Uh, and I had some uh, mixed uh, results. So... The results from last weekend, I was—I think I actually only tipped about two right out of five tips that I gave you on the weekend, and one of those was Ash Barty. So I've done the calculations, and I've just gone to the accuracy meter, and it has come up with 
Last weekend's tips were as accurate as England's UEFA penalty shootout squad. Two from five. Unlucky to the English fans. It's not coming home. It's going elsewhere. Now, before I get into... Um, actually, no, let's go straight to, to this week. So, obviously, the big events that are coming up this week that I've got my eye on. Uh, first event, Origin 3, tomorrow night. Now, it is a dead rubber. It is the last game of the series. It's always been already decided. There are a few storylines out of this which are interesting to watch. Uh, number one... What an amazing story for New South Wales if they do come back up to Queensland again because they've just had to move the game from Newcastle up to the Gold Coast because of COVID. Can you imagine if the first clean sweep by New South Wales in many, many years, not only is it a clean sweep, but all three games were in Queensland's backyard. Like, what what a massive achievement if they can pull that off. Now, it does get a lot harder because of the injuries that they have sustained. So... Uh, obviously, you've got Nathan Cleary out. You've got Jerome Luai out. Um, a big out, too, which has maybe gone under the radar a little bit, is um, actually Daniel Saifidi being out injured as well. Uh, he has probably been their best prop for the first two games. And his go forward was really what laid the platform for those halves to be able to do what they were doing. And then, obviously, the, the center pairing of Latrell Mitchell and Tommy Turbo just tearing it up. So, look, it will be interesting to see if New South Wales can be as dominant without those players. Uh, Queensland's depth is being tested again. And, look, obviously you've got the Jaiara situation of him being dropped out of the team too. He hasn't done a whole lot in the last couple of weeks, but he's still a, a you know state, uh, a Queensland-level player. Anytime you lose a player in, in the last couple of days before a game, is always going to affect you. So, look... My, my gut says that New South Wales still gets it done. I do think this game will be a lot closer. And um, one of my tips is going to be on that game too. Uh, now, NBA Finals. So, so far you've got uh, the Suns up 2-1. Uh, my tips were a bit redeemed by Giannis and Tadakumpo having a massive game on Monday as well. So, I did tip on the weekend uh, for him to have 35-plus points and the Bucks to win, which was the case on Monday. I think he scored over 40, maybe 42 points again. Uh, he's in a massive vein of form at the moment. So the next game will be on Thursday. Uh, it is at Milwaukee. I am expecting Milwaukee to win again. I do know there'll be some adjustments, but look, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Giannis uh, just goes again and has another big scoring game. He isn't, he isn't in my bets this week, though. Um, and last but not least, you've also got UFC Vegas. So I'm not going to talk too much about the NRL this weekend because, again... It's always up in the air after a midweek origin game because you just don't know which players are going to be returning back to their clubs and playing. Um, so there's really not a whole lot of value that I can see in betting on any of the games. I mean, the only thing to me that would be a lock would be betting on the Storm against Newcastle. Uh, but I think they're only paying like a dollar thirteen or something like that at the moment anyway. So uh, that's not my lock. Uh, you've got UFC Vegas coming on Sunday and there are a few notable fights in that. Uh, one of the ones that uh, got my attention just from a purely fanboy perspective is the return of former title holder Misha Tate. So Misha has had uh, two children since she last competed. She spent some time um, as the vice president of one championship. Uh, she wanted to fight again. She still had fights left on a UFC contract, so she has come back to, to train. 
she has quite publicly spoken about some of the issues that she was dealing with when she went on her title run originally, and those things are out of her life. I mean, hey, she's got two kids, so that probably doesn't make it that much much easier. Um, but she has said that she's never been able to focus on her training more than than now. Uh, I've seen her like training footage. She looks fantastic. She is returning against Marion Renault. Um, Look, she is the favorite in that fight. It's really tough. Marion Renault, so she is pushed. I think she's 40. Um, she has sort of had some middling results, but I think every fight that Marion Renault has lost has always been by decision, so she's always in it. And at the end of the day, Tate has been out for, it'd be three or four years now uh, without a fight. So, look, I don't know which way to go on that one. I'd love for Misha to win. I think it's Renault's retirement fight anyway, so there's nothing really riding on it for her. Um I think with Misha Tate too, obviously everyone credits Ronda Rousey for the rise of women's MMA, but I don't think Ronda Rousey did it on her own. I think it was her rivalry with Misha Tate that really sold it to the fans because they were rivaling from way back in the Strikeforce days too. Uh, so Misha, as a pioneer of the sport, you know it's just great to see her back. Hopefully she goes really well. I'd love to see her get one last title run in just because it's a great storyline and she's just a good person to boot. Not, be nice to see another mum as a champion as well. Um, now... I'm going to now pull my tip out for you. Well, I'm going to give you two tips. But first, I'm going to start off with my philosophy around tipping. So every single week, I'm going to give you two tips. The first tip is going to be my lock of the week. The second tip is going to be my speculator of the week. So my lock of the week is going to be something where I'm like 90 to 95% sure is is going to get up. Uh, it would be something that me personally, I would put a little bit of additional funds on uh, if I was uh, having a punt on it because I, I feel like the accuracy should be fairly high. Uh, my So you're probably thinking odds of somewhere up to, you know, two, maybe three to one, um, if it's something that's a little bit out there. I do think there's some three to one or even five to one style lock value in the UFC, uh, purely based on the fact that I don't think the sport's mainstream enough yet. I did say that last weekend. I did put money on Ryan Hall, and he did get knocked out in the first round, like I joked around saying that he might do on the podcast. So, look, hey, that's the fight game. Literally anything can happen. Uh, but I do think there's some value there. But So that's going to be my lock. My speculator of the week is going to be something that I think is is potentially really likely, but might give you a little bit more value than uh, than just a normal lock-type bet. Uh, so it'll be it'll be, be higher risk, higher odds, uh, but therefore obviously the rewards are much higher too. Um, and some of these these things will will get up, some of them won't. But that's why I want to keep the uh, the scorecard as well too, so you guys can see in real time uh, what the uh, what the accuracy is going to be. So let us go to my tips for the week. Well, let's get out of that. Here we go. All right, my lock of the week is going to be for State of Origin 3, Tommy Turbo, anytime try scorer, which is currently paying $1.80. Uh, I said on the podcast last week, Tommy Turbo is in the richest vein of form I think I've ever seen in an NRL-level player, apart from maybe when Jared Hayne was Jared Hayne. Uh, I, I still think he's even surpassed that. The amount of tries he's scored recently uh, at not only state level, but also at his club level have just been insane. Also, the amount of tries he has set up uh, have been insane as well. So I think Tommy Turbo at $1.80 for an anytime try scorer bet is that's my lock of the week. That That's as bad as sure 
surefire chance to almost double your money that I can see, especially considering the fact that with the halves pairing being completely changed, I would not be surprised if the halves aren't as dominant as they have been and that the game plan that Freddie Fittler puts in place might be just get the ball out wide to your strike weapons as soon as you possibly can and let them figure it out. Um, Tommy Turbo is also matching up against um, the Hammer. Uh, uh, is it Hamili Tabuai Fido, who is debuting for the Maroons? So, look, it is a tall order for the Hammer to be able to hold out Tommy Turbo for an entire game, and I just don't see it happening. So, my lock of the week, Tommy Turbo for any time try scorer at $1.80. Now, my speculator of the week is in the UFC event on Sunday, the main event. So the main event, you've got uh, Islam Makachev versus Tiago Moises. Now, both of these guys are up-and-comers, and both of them have had very, very good showings in the last couple of fights. But there's a big saying in, in mixed martial arts, which is, styles make fights. Tiago Moises is a very dominant Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and he's able to submit just about anyone. I just don't see him being able to get himself... Oh, I've just noticed too that I've got a spelling mistake in there. Let's let's fix that up. Uh, I do not see Tiago Moises being able to get himself into a dominant enough position in the grappling exchanges with Islam to be able to uh, take advantage of that. Uh, Islam Makachev is like Khabib 2.0. So he is a relentless, uh, grinding uh, wrestler with, but he's, he does have some great striking and some heavy hands to boot. Now, why I think this is good value for money as a speculator, so Islam is a big favorite in this fight. I think he's paying early, like $1.20, $1.30 to actually win the fight. Tiago Moises is paying about $5 to win. So obviously the odds makers think he's going to win the fight. The most likely way for him to win, judging by the odds makers at the moment, is by decision, which is paying $2. Now, and I've got KP instead of KO. Look at me go. First time, guys. Bear with me. Um, so if if this was a three-round fight, I think that uh, Islam Makachev by decision is probably the right way to go. I think he'll be able to control position. And obviously, being a dominant wrestler means that you get to choose where the fight goes. So if he even senses anything from uh, Tiago Moises that suggests that he might be in any danger on the ground, he can just use his dominant wrestling to keep it on his feet, where I do believe he's got the heavier hands and the, the I guess, more skillful uh, stand-up game. And look, if it was a three-round fight, I think that Moises would possibly be able to um, at least use his, uh, his jiu-jitsu in a defensive way to be able to last until the end. I just don't see literally anyone that goes up against Islam Makachev being able to withstand him for a full five rounds. So being a main event fight, it is five rounds it is instead of three. So he's got five five-minute rounds, 25 minutes to try to uh, survive Islam Makachev, and I just don't see it happening. Uh, so obviously, if you think the finish is going to happen early, it could be either by KO, TKO, or by submission. Being that uh, Tiago Moises is a black belt, I don't see him being submitted either. So I wouldn't be surprised if Islam just wears on him and wears on him and wears on him and ends up TKing him, TKOing him with some ground and pound, uh, you know, towards the middle of the fight. But yeah, Islam Makachev by KO TKO at five dollars, I think that is great value. I think if you ran that fight a hundred times, 
the odds suggest that he would only win in that fashion 20 times out of 100. I think you're looking at more closer to 50 to 60 times out of 100 uh, of that fight happening. So I do think that's good value. So those are my tips. And like I said, I am very much uh, pro-consent. So as far as my tips go, I've pulled my tip out. It's up to you whether or not you want to play with it. If you do play with it, good luck, happy punting, and I hope you go, go the best. If you disagree with my tips, please let me know in the comments. Uh, I would love to hear from you guys. Number one, what do you think is going to happen in State of Origin tomorrow night? What do you think is going to happen in NBA Finals uh, Game 4? And what do you think is going to happen in UFC on Vegas on the weekend? If there's anything else you want me to talk about, please hit me up. I'd love to have it. Thank you very much for joining me for episode number one of Not Just the Tip, because I am going to give you the tip, but I hope that you can get a little bit more out of it than that as well. And uh, we'll see you next week. Enjoy the festivities, guys.